to you all. Uh, I'm Chris Oakley, and very glad you could join us for episode 113 of The Sound of Football, uh, available via Net Radio UK, iTunes, and footballfairground.com. Uh, coming up later on, we'll be giving you a footnote to last week's show about video technology in football. Uh, well, one long-standing listener told us that we got it all wrong on several counts. Uh, that's coming up later. Uh, for now, though, uh, let me introduce uh, two men who are guaranteed to get a reaction from the calmest of listeners. It's uh, Terry DeFellon and Graham Sibley. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello, Chris. Happy England Hello. Day. Yeah, happy, happy England, England Day. Day. Yes, indeed. Um, a, a very apt reference to throw in at that point of the uh, podcast, because uh, on this week's show, uh, which is being recorded on St George's Day, uh, a day when uh, English people across the land can be proud of their national identity, even if St George himself was born in Israel. We'll overlook that small factor, but um, this is a day to celebrate all things English. So today we're discussing the England national team but from a cultural perspective, uh, we're, we're um, going to wonder what, why do England fans still expect their countries to do so well? Uh, or perhaps they don't expect them to do so well. Um, do they keep their most ardent support these days for the major tournaments? Uh, we'll also be wondering how the England team are perceived around the world and asking just what it might take for England to once again win a major competition. If we can fit all of that in the next half an hour. So um, I am going to come to you first. Why don't I come to you, Graham, first of all? Yes, I'm getting a visual cue, which is basically a big finger pointed at Graham. I can see on my screen. Um, so, um, Graham, uh, in, in terms of this whole fervour that England fans are supposed to have, this, this expectation, if you like, that, that England are always capable of winning a competition... Oh, are you like me in thinking that that comes from sort of two references? So I think it's kind of a combination of two things. One is the fact that we gave the world the game. <laughs> you, can't, you can't say that often enough without people hitting you. Um, uh, and secondly, the fact that after a long wait, we did win the World Cup in 1966. That's the other, the other one we'll, we'll keep pummeling into people whether they like it or not. And so you combine those two factors, it makes you very egocentric, does it not? And so therefore that sets you off for life, uh, for life apparently, uh, thinking that you can win anything. Um, I don't. I don't think it's it's that sort of arrogant. I think you know England have been for some time one of the top ten uh, uh, international sides. They're uh, they're not exactly feared. I don't think throughout the world, but they are. But you know, if you're drawn against them in in a qualifying campaign, you certainly flag those fixtures up in the in the in the uh, in in the run into the to a qualification, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, they are a force to be reckoned with, but of course, you know, as has been seen in the most recent World Cups and European Championships, you know, it only gets them so far. The mm. quarterfinals, usually, <laughs> usually, <laughs> um, yes. which you know is then to say, yes, we are a top ten team. We're not a top five team. We're a top ten team, um, and hey, we're not far off. Yeah, and, and and really, when it comes to tournament football, we know you know the fact that all you need. As shown in Italia ninety, even when you take a not very good England team with some with some very very good England players, but not a very good England team, mm-hmm. they can end up jamming their way all the way to the semi final, which is what they did, and they lost, albeit on penalties, to a very good Germany side, mm. uh, and they could have yeah. yeah they they could have even jammed their way to the final, they could have even jammed their way and actually won the whole bloody thing back there. Yeah, I think if they'd won that penalty shootout, they would have had a good chance against. 
what was a pretty, a pretty also a pretty weak Argentina side. Yeah, no, they would have mm. stuffed it up against Argentina. Probably, it would have been, they would have been expected to be Argentina, and then mm. it would have gone horribly, 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 horribly wrong. <laughs> um, but, and, and even when we even when we uh, bombed out that competition, we still bombed out, showing all the fighting characteristics of a stereotypical English team. Did we not? Uh, well, yes, <laughs> but then, then again, we'd we, been doing that all month. We'd be it was like, like you know, with, uh, with like, like you know, less less will have a disco on, on the on yeah. the beach, was on, on, like on the pitch, wasn't it? So it was it was it was all, it was very much you know the fact fact that that the England team there was not expected to do well. I don't think. All right, anyway, everyone said right. Oh, we come on England, and we had New Order as well doing the song, which was really good. <laughs> um, but you know, in '88, we'd been. In, Embarrassed. We'd been absolutely like, like, like you know, taken by mm. by by the Dutch and and shown the door unceremoniously. Mm. And the uh, Russians, and yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. And the Irish, oh, well, and the Irish, it. yeah. And, and and to start the tournament off in 1990 with with a draw against Ireland, you think, oh god, here we go again. Um, Oh, God. And then well, I mean, fo- yeah, but then again, I suppose really, you know, we all think that England are going to win because we are hopelessly. Hopelessly optimistic in these sort of, sort of things, and well, well, and, and I yeah. think well, sorry, I think largely yeah, yeah. because because the majority of people support teams that don't go on to win very very big prizes, mm-hmm. and I think so, you know, they think oh well we can support England and there is a slight chance that we could win something because because we're a top ten side of course and, and yeah. therefore we we can beat pretty much anybody. Uh, but I was wondering, except I was wondering the top though, ten teams, except <laughs> the teams in the nine positions above us, yeah, that are um, likely to get into the quarterfinals and semifinals of the. Semifinals. <laughs> it's all starting to unravel now. I can see this whole logical argument. Uh, but I was actually wondering though, Terry. I mean, we're talking about expectations, and and I mean, we, we refer there to 1990. England had been in two World Cups prior to that, so that was so they were on a very much on a roll there. So I would argue maybe expectations were fairly high, but. Um, what do you, you know, taking the pulse of the, the current mood among England fans, do you think England will, for instance, go into the European Championships um, uh, with their fans expecting much? Or do you think we're all a bit kind of brow, you know, weather beaten by the whole thing now? And it's like, oh, God, well, it's, you know, we haven't done anything in the last few tournaments. It didn't even qualify for the last European Championships. So what do you think the, the mood is now? I judge the mood to be fairly pessimistic about our prospects for Euro 2012. Hmm. I know that in the past we have been capable of working ourselves up into a lava uh, about this sort of thing, but yes. um, after the disappointment of 2010, failure to qualify for the last tournament, uh, European Championship tournament in 2008, and then I would suggest to you actually even greater disappointment in 2006, because I think that was the year where, for the first time in a very long time, we genuinely thought we were something and that we had mm. a good chance and we just didn't yeah. even show anything like what mm. we thought we were capable of. And I'm shamelessly using the, the word we here because you know, <laughs> English and an England supporter. Um, so I, I, I think that people will be a little bit more cautious. But of course, the, the, the tournaments always generate tremendous excitement because... They create because tremendous amounts of revenue. Yeah, <laughs> and I suppose I mean obviously you would imagine that to an extent that that the, the papers and and the, the media will want to try and you know stir up some interest because mm. obviously they want them to watch it and buy newspapers and stuff like that. But whether or not we're quite going to be back at the levels of where we were, you know, when you've had you know Mars sort of like basically advertising for the prospect of a victory parade back in two thousand and six. <laughs> 
Um, you know, and and and, and more. I don't think that that sense of of anticipation is going to be there, um, which may actually work to the advantage of the players because they may not necessarily feel that weight of expectation. But um, mm. I, mean, I don't. I, I think if England get out of the group, they'll probably do okay. Uh, that's I probably think, you think. Perhaps that's when expectation will suddenly rocket up. Suddenly. Well, I mean, I suppose that's the other thing. Yeah. Because there's that thing of like, oh, we're in, suddenly we're in the in the knockout stages, so we're yeah. in with a chance again. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, Chris, it only takes one one result to ratchet up public opinion. <laughs> well, who are we in? We're in France, Ukraine, and the other guys. And the other guys. Yeah. Already, we've forgotten. <laughs> well, I got Where's confused because we, yeah. we had our draw, and we had and we had uh, and we had the the actual draw. So, like, I keep I keep yeah. thinking up from one to the other. But it, well, it was, we should just stick to ours and, and have done with it. I think if we get out of a group that contains, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how embarrassing! Uh, if it, is that, that contains France and the hosts, one of the co-hosts, and I think hmm. you know we're doing all right. To be perfectly Sweden. honest with you, Sweden. Of course it's right. Sweden. I so knew that, really. Apologies to uh, all of our Swedish listeners. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, uh, you can you both know, turn off now, yes. Yeah, and to, uh, you know, scando freaks like Charlie who might be listening. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, That just we, sounds completely wrong. That does sound wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't just me thinking that, that then. Sound, no, that right. does sound wrong. Apologies. It's um, been a long day, listeners. Um, but, I mean, uh, that's, a, that's a tough group. I would suggest yeah. to you that all of three of... Of, of those teams would regard England as being very dangerous opponents um, and, but would still fancy, fancy getting past them and yeah. get all yeah. of, everyone in that, in that group fancies getting out of it so oh, well, I think, I think, every, I think everyone there th- f- fancies they can take at least a point off England yeah mm. well that's as I say we, we mustn't we mustn't analyse the group too much because we're no, saving sorry. that for our yeah, Euro apologies. 2012 special um, yes. But um, but what we will use that as as a uh, lead on to the, the the next topic essentially, which is how how foreign teams, even foreign football fans, perceive England. Um, you think that these days? Well, I, I'm guessing this has been the case for a while now. But England are the sort of team that you you always fancy you can nick a few points off here and there. Yes, uh, I don't think so. I think I think uh, England has invariably had good. Uh, a good record in qualifying at home, mm-hmm. um, but certainly uh, away, it's that's that's not that's not been the case. I don't think uh, uh, when I've seen qualifying campaigns. Um, mm. Usually, if we've if we've won away from home, it's been quite dour. It's like we've probably just nicked a goal on a very dodgy pitch, which people say, "Oh, look at these awful conditions out here," and. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, they'll say there are lots and lots of uh, of um, complaints about the insert name of country here director uh, not having, um, <laughs> the, the replays uh, that, that that they were they would be expecting at home with some crap uh, goal attempt from uh, John Barnes shots of the crowd yeah. waving flags and things yes. yeah yeah um, yeah I mean it's been a long time Terry since since England have been anywhere near invincible. Hadn't it? So, um, and, and and of course, when England get to a, a major tournament, then you find that they either kind of com- collapse completely, or they suddenly find a sort of second gear to at least get to the knockout stages. So, it's England, I suppose, are a bit of a strange, strange beast, really, in international football for that reason. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that England generally, probably, I suspect that England don't just 
prepare for um, for tournaments as well as other teams do. Hmm. Um, uh, and I also think that, that there's an element of of the England players who work very hard to maintain their places in Premier League squads because Premier League is very highly competitive uh, league, very good league. Um, and very highly paid league, and these guys are under quite a lot of pressure to perform for their clubs. And I think that you know that those dual concerns, I think, don't just just don't seem quite to mix. Hmm. You, you can't underestimate the value of a really good manager who can just sort of like really organise, uh, you know, the tour. Just get everything right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get 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 the accommodation. That sounds daft, but get the accommodation right. Get the facilities right. You know, the last World Cup, the England team. Yeah, you know, these are guys, they're millionaires, and they're sitting there. Costed away in some, you know, complex in the middle of nowhere with nothing but mm. pool tables and dartboards to keep them occupied. And you know, these are guys who are used to refined tastes. They're used to doing interesting things with their spare time, like playing FIFA. Like playing FIFA, exactly. Yeah. So well, I mean, you're going to mention prostitutes, to be honest, but <laughs> there we are. <laughs> I, I wasn't. But sorry to lower the tone, but there we are. But so I, I just, so yeah, I think you get those 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 dual concerns. I think the pressure and. You know, on themselves, not just from the media and from the fans, but also from you know, and, and an exhaustion at the end of a long season. Mm. Obviously, other teams have exactly those those concerns, but I don't think England necessarily manage them as well as other other teams do. Yeah, um, uh, interesting actually. I mean, we talk about the kind of dynamic there of uh, whether the England players are sort of motivated these days and all that. I, I, was, I was just going to actually, before we move on, I was just going to say it was different back in Alf Ramsey's day. He'd have them all playing bingo, if I remember rightly. Uh, those were the days. Um, but uh, And we've discussed before on, on this podcast about this whole thing of when there, whenever there's an England friendly that suddenly a whole rash of players get these mystery injuries uh, which uh, enable them to pull out of the squad, uh, which, you know, we suspect means that they can then concentrate on going back to their clubs and carrying on where they left off. But, um, but what can uh, the FA do, for instance, in order to try and uh, get across the importance of international matches? I mean, obviously the, the uh, dedication is towards the Premier League, playing league football and, and picking up the wage check, the heavy wage check at the end of every week. Um, is there anything that the FA can do to maybe enlist um, greater support, say, from FIFA to sort of say, look... We need some commitment here. Uh, you know, internationals are, are important. I mean, is, is there any um, worthiness in going down that road, do you think, Graham? Uh, I think you have to put value in playing for England, I think, more than anything. I think you have to make, make it so, so that the, the, the players actually, it, it is desirable for them to put on the shirt. Um, rather than, I mean, I think it's, it's more... You know, you've got to use, use carrot rather than stick, and mm. and there are, but there are specific club managers, and yes, I'm looking at Sir Alex Ferguson, who has <laughs> been completely against international football and Arsene Wenger and Arsene Wenger uh, to say to, to 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 a point where they've said, look, look, I don't want my players going off to play mm. point, point point is friendly, and you have to say, well, yeah, you've got a point because they're not, yeah. Maybe if your player does come back injured and misses three, three months, then you know you 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 do have you know you have been disadvantaged by the fact of you know someone playing for what has little tangible rewards, even though mm. international football does is the sort of like like the stoking force behind behind the popularity of football in this in this in this country and hmm. people might say oh no 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 club football's always been 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 been, been the key yeah it has but 
the amount of interest these international tournaments generate is mm. unbelievable. And the amount of people it brings back into the game is it, it, it just can't be underestimated. And while and while you may have like gone and sported your club for like God knows how many years since you were a lad, the rest of the people in that in that stadium may not. They may mm. have got back into football because they started watching uh the World Cup yeah. in 2006. Yeah, as I say, the World Cup. If you imagine yeah. Wembley Stadium, um, and then you imagine Wembley Stadium, let's say, one-third full, mm. that's club football. And then imagine mm. it full, that's international football. Yeah. I think that, I don't think, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the kind of ratio that we're talking about. Suddenly the doors open, and everybody else comes in, yeah. and enjoys the party. And they all have their opinions. But the problem is, that, well, that's not a problem, but the, 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 I think the thing is, is that... Um, the the game in the, the the club game in England is very powerful and very strong, and the clubs increasingly control um, or have a very very heavy influence on the football association, and their agenda gets pushed up there, which perhaps disproportionate to the to the national feeling. Mm. It's just it is difficult to get your head around though, but mm. I mean because if you're a football fan, you're a club fan. And you watch your match today, and you watch you're a Sky subscriber, and you hang out with all of your friends, the football fans, and all you talk about is talk about football, and you surround yourself with people who who are into football. You find it hard to imagine that you, you think you, it's easy to think that well, everybody likes football, mm. but in fact, it's probably probably fair to say that you know you're, you're still pretty much, in, in, and I'm talking about in England, you may well be in a significant minority yeah. of of people, and it's only suddenly when the national team gets involved. You, you, suddenly, all these people turn up <laughs> and go, "Well, you know, what do you know about football?" So, oh, I love football. I always watch the European Champions. I always watch the World Cup. <laughs> it's, well, no, I don't support a club. I'm not interested in club football. No, and suddenly, you're in the minority, and then, and then you, you get this odd kind of situation. And you know, I, I think that perhaps it would be best. It would be good. I think perhaps if if, if the clubs perhaps recognise this or were incentivised. Mm. To recognising this, the FA aren't like the, the say the German Football Federation. They can't, they never have been either. They haven't, they haven't got the power to to browbeat clubs into in changing their structure and showing more respect to the national team. They can't threaten the Premier League with their licences if they don't adopt certain youth structures in order to, which was what the the, the German Football Federation did in Euro two, after Euro two thousand. Um, and mm. I don't think the FA, even if they did have that power other kind of organisation that want to do that that's just not them I think that they would like to do it more by consensus but at the moment they seem to be on the back foot they don't seem to be able I'd like the FA to be generally speaking a lot stronger and, and more assertive with the clubs but uh, mm. and to perhaps you know just to persuade to say you know International tournaments and a successful English team is good for business. Mm. Uh, it's good mm. for business everywhere, all over, all over. Not just the football business, but, but business business. Everyone makes money when England do well, and I, you know that mm. must apply to clubs as well. There's got to be some way of of addressing their concerns while at the same time not being. No, but, you know, but I think it's not. It's not. It's not something intangible that that that, that shows that the success of international football go, goes on to the, the success of clubs because all clubs see an uprise in in season ticket sales when England mm-hmm. have a successful campaign. Mm. That's right. Yep. Yeah, it's not a terribly Absolutely. dignified posture that the, the clubs adopt. To be honest, no, with you. They, it's not, they, not at they, all. They not at all. Demand they, they get all of course, it's, of course, it's easier if you are someone like like Alex Ferguson or or, or Arsene Wenger who knows that that you know. Well, I'm going to fill up my stadium anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, 
yeah, which which is which is the sort of you know the typical Premier League um, um, thought pro uh, process, mm. but it's you know it, it's those sorts of it, it it's that sort of sort of thing. Well, you know, international football doesn't owe me anything. Well, yes, it does. It it owes mm. you all those international players you've got that have got that you've got filling out your squad because you know they probably yeah. wouldn't have come to prominence or or. Uh, to to your attention, if they weren't playing on some kind of world stage, yeah, or playing at youth level, or if they had you know at international level at youth, they haven't been going to youth tournaments, the under seventeens, the under twenty World Cups. Mm. You know these are uh, competitions that or increasingly, don't take or increasingly come uh, be developed in a country that has a a uh, a background of developing teams. For international football, yeah, like Germany, mm. for instance, like Germany, and increasingly like Spain as mm. well. And looks what happened to them, eh? Ooh, oh, wait, the two Whatever best teams in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to say, on a, yeah, on a sort of club to club basis as well. You know, if you've got, oh, we were talking earlier on about friendlies and the fact that, uh, let's say, Premier League managers are a little reticent about allowing their players to go off to friendlies when there's a major tournament. Um, as of course there will be this summer, um, then it will be a showcase upon which the, uh, a lot of the, well, in this case, the whole of Europe, if it's a World Cup, the entire world, will get to see some of their best players. And um, So therefore, when the following season comes around and a club is trying to attract new players to come play, yeah, let's say Arsenal are trying to attract players to come there, then they can sort of say, well, look, you saw a lot of our players. We're clearly an ambitious club. We had a lot of our players at the World Cup or the European Championship. So actually having your players in an international competition like that can actually be a great kind of you know, marketing tool, if you like, to try and get a better quality of player to come to your club, if I explain that in any way uh, um, logically. I'm not sure. Yeah, it makes sense anyway. to me. Yeah, it, it does make perfect sense, yes. Um, I was just wondering, actually, kind of going back a little bit to the original sort of point about um, expectations and so on. Do you think um, the Premier League skews people's expectations of um, how they expect the, the England national team to do? As in, do you think there are England fans who kind of think, well, you know, we are, this is England, we have the Premier League, supposedly the best league in the world. So therefore, when an international t- competition comes around, then therefore, by virtue of that, England should do well when actually the, the the two are really disconnected. Do you think that there's a lot of that goes on amongst fans? Uh, I think there is anyway, but I think that's more down to the to the way that uh, how England players are represented um, through. Um, oh, dare I say it? The media. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but I think I think I think Tick. it's just it's, it's just the fact that you know you've got the England players generally. Tend to be held in higher regard than international players mm-hmm. who may be slightly better than them. Mm. Also, the international football um, is a different kind of competition in the yeah. same way that the Premier League, that domestic domestic competition is different to European competition. Domestic and European competition is therefore also different to international competition. And I don't think that the England players are very good at international football generally um, at the absolute top level they, they, they can reach a, a point which we've just discussed um, but they can't really go any further 
Uh, a lot of people say, oh, they don't have technique. I think that's not true. I think they have plenty of technique. They're professional footballers. They play at a very high level. They can play in the Champions League. But there's something about the pace and intensity about international football that I don't think England have got their head round. Um, hmm. Very rarely do ever get their head round. Um, and uh, and, and you, I mean, you see that in the Champions League. You'll see a, a new Champions League team will turn up. Very, very good side. Very good team domestically. They turn up for the first time in the Champions League. And some of them... They just they just wilt well, under the look, intensity. Look at Dortmund. Dortmund. I think it's Whereas, a fabulous example of it, isn't it? Make really? a comparison with Tottenham, who didn't? Yeah. Who mm. didn't wilt? What at all? Just turned up as as if they'd been there all that time. And I think it's the same with international competition. Uh, I think, and again, just going back to what I was saying, well, you know, the, the England players are are club players, and they get to they get to the end of the season and they. They're exhausted, and then they have to adapt, to adapt to a completely different pace and a completely different environment and completely different way of playing. And up to this point, I don't think they've been able to do themselves justice. I do think they're genuinely a lot better than people make them out to be. I mean, you can't have a team full of you know regular Champions League quarter semi-finalists and, and, and them not be any good. It's just absurd. I don't accept mm. that. Well, yeah, uh, uh, you know, there are a few Champions League uh, quarter-finalists there, uh, but... Um, there's also a lot of players who play for Aston Villa. Well, yeah, I suppose <laughs> that's true. Anyway. Yeah, I suppose um, I'm over-egging things somewhat, yeah, allowing my patriotic <laughs> fervour to take control. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, or, or, you know, they're squad players for Tottenham, and it's, mm. you know, this, this is the problem you find. Um, a lot of the England players in the squad don't even hold down a regular place in their own team, and they're not, it's not as if they're, they're, they're playing at the very top of the table there's some of them are playing you know I'm, I'm, look, I'm th- thinking about players like uh, Jermaine Defoe for instance mm. sure he's yeah. a man who's not he's a fringe player isn't yeah, he yeah he's not number one on the list but you know he's expected to go to be to be in the squad for England isn't he mm. oh, yeah yeah yeah, uh, we're almost out of time. One thing we haven't touched on too much so far, and we can maybe squeeze in a, a, a brief comment here, is on the um, impact, shall we say, of the English national team on English culture generally. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of thinking back to the 90s. Uh, we had Euro 96. We had uh, England getting to the semi-finals, as we've said already, uh, already at uh, Italia 90. Um, as far as English culture is concerned, or at least popular culture, um, you know, we had kind of three lines songs coming out we had lots of coverage on tv um i'm just wondering if um because of this slight feeling of apathy whether people don't really engage with the english national team as much as they used to anymore i mean that's and that's without going all the way back to the you know 1966 when frankly you couldn't go anywhere without seeing a union jack or world cup willy sort of plastered here there everywhere and that's not a euphemism i just want to point that out right now um so i mean do you think that um you know, culture, the English culture generally is, is as bothered about, uh, you know, international football? It's worth thinking about the Olympics for England specifically for this particular year. Euro 2008, obviously, 2012, sorry, coincides with the Olympics. And a lot of us, we're all, a lot of people are going to be focusing on that this year. Although they're not, they're mm. not coinciding. It is in the yep. same year. So I think that a lot of cultural energy will be directed towards, towards, um, Towards the Olympics. However, if England do well and have a good and have a good campaign and surprise people, then I think that'll change pretty quickly. It'll only yeah. take a, a few games, a couple of games. Uh-huh. You know, beat France. I mean, as unlikely as that may sound, but, but let's say we have a storming game and beat France, mm. or France, shall we say, have a 
a crap game, which, by the way, they're quite <laughs> capable of doing. Oh, certainly. Yes, um, certainly yeah. uh, then, you, then, then, you know, things will change massively, and that's our first game of the of the campaign. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you you put a two nil win in there, mm. and then and all of a sudden, you know, all, all, all of a sudden, we're going to win the whole bloody thing. Mm-hmm. It's, Vin, it's Vindaloo next, all over again. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, next thing you I, know, we're, we're attaching flags to our cars and all sorts. Oh, it's the old God, routine. Yeah, yeah and then uh, and that, that bloody band is still playing. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> your favourite, Graham. I forgot about the flags. Um, I wonder, will we see the flags? I, I don't think we'll see the flags in the same... So I think we might see a lot more Union Jacks this summer in England. And again, I'm talking, but we're not we, we're not talking about Scotland or Wales or Northern Ireland. We're talking about England. Yeah. I think we'll see a lot more Union Jacks. I think there could be a little bit more of a kind of you know, but again because of the Olympic thing. Yeah. I think we might see a few more of that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that again, as I say, I think there'll be a little bit more focus. Yeah, on I, I, I suppose it's the thing because like in the eighties, like, like you know, England in, England supporters was were, 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 were the lowest of the low basically. Mm. Um, you know, you did. You didn't want, 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 want to be seen with them. You certainly didn't want to go and see England because it no. was a very ugly experience. Um, and and and, but of course, you know, the the it, it changed throughout the nineties to to an extent in Euro ninety six when afterwards, you know, they were selling out. They were selling out friendlies at, at Wembley. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, which was yeah, about astonishing. Yeah, yeah. Um, astonishing. And you know where like everyone was included. Now everyone could be an England fan, uh, and you know they just and then they and then they appointed Glenn well, Oswald goes, as manager. What happened there? It goes back to what we were talking about um, about you know with the Premier League, it, you know, and this this antagonism between the Premier League and, and the England national team. You know, I mean, arguably, Italian ninety and Euro ninety six were two massive tournaments for the Premier League. Yeah. Really, really pushed the popularity and returned some respectability back to the game. The Premier League didn't happen until two years after Italian ninety, but I don't believe it would have been anything like as popular as it was if it wasn't for Gaza's tears. No, and I, and I cer- certainly think as well that the, 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 there was a step change in the popularity of, of, of the Premier League after Euro ninety six as well, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it changed a lot as well. There, like, there was there were that, that, that those first few series was uh, seasons was a, a time of transition. Um, mm. yeah, we were getting bit player internationals coming over here, mm. or guys who are just coming towards the end of yeah. their career. Good um, guys, but yeah. still players, players you know. who who couldn't really, who didn't really fit into sides on the continent, and yet all of a sudden came over here, and they were and they were just like treated like gods. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you were thinking Paolo like, Di Canio, Paolo Di Canio, uh, Benito uh, Carboni, David Ginola, yeah, yeah, Miss Eric, Eric Cantona, Cantona, Te- well, exactly, that was fantastic. Yeah. Brian Roy, Brian Roy. <laughs> Uh, the list uh, uh, and uh, Jürgen Klinsmann someone right at the end of his yep, career that's another should, one I was just going to mention yeah. <laughs> should have been going going to Japan thought no I don't know what I'll film my boots over in England yeah well life's pretty sweet in London if you've exactly. got lots of money exactly and do, you, and do you know what that's one name we didn't mention last week in our show about um, was it or the week before we were talking about diving <laughs> and um, and that brings me neatly on to uh, previous shows um, for that is the end of this week's discussion we hope you enjoyed it but um, yes last week as you may remember we were talking about video technology and uh, I'm very pleased to say that uh, one of our long standing listeners Michael Richard got in touch with us and said um, I've written a blog post about this uh, I'm not sure that he was actually angry about it but um, he, he felt the need to stand up and make his opinion 
uh, heard because he disagreed with some of the things we said and we are very grateful to Michael uh, for allowing us to put those thoughts up on the Football Fairground uh, blog site uh, footballfairground.com forward slash sound of football is where you'll find it uh, he made uh, several points um, saying that basically we should give um, uh, what should, what I, yeah, give um, I can't read my own writing isn't this terrible um, uh, give the league access to camera footage basically sort of saying um, that, and that basically all the league has to do is sort of say, we want X number of cameras in X number of positions, and then that gets around, you know, they, they've got access to the camera footage, and so that gets around that. Uh, he also sort of said that um, the video decisions, if you like, shouldn't be made by the ref. It should go to the people at the league headquarters. Um, and as far as consistency of using the technology across the board is concerned, what he sort of said, well, you get differences in, say, the quality of pitches and television coverage and various things like that across league structure. So he made lots of um, points and we're very grateful Michael that you uh, did so because it's always yes. good when people yes, are uh, yes. inspired to you know think think on their own feet and come up with their own opinions and um we yeah, as I mean, ever... like, like there, there, there are opinions that are utter bunk, but you know it's, it's, it's <laughs> nice that, that he comes up with opinions. It would be better for all of you if you just agreed with us. Yes, yeah. I suspect it's you all know the this. easiest way possible. Because mm. you have to understand, you'll being... find you'll find you'll enjoy the show a lot more. <laughs> just agree with us. Soon yeah. we'll have the we'll we'll have special sound of football opinion patches, mm. which will distribute out <laughs> to all of you, and you can put on your forehead before listening, and then just zone out and just mm. absorb what we have to say. That's right. And then you'll wake up the next day. And and, and life, you know, will be, you'll be much less confused about yeah. so many things. Just, uh, I think if it helps you, you know, like after you listen to the show, and if there's something that, that you, we've said that you don't agree with, just, just, just calm yourself down and say, "I was wrong, I was wrong, <laughs> I was wrong." Okay, and then, it ju- and then, and then absorb what we say, and then, and then regurgitate it. Go on, do it. Yeah, Indeed, just, like, Peels, please pass it off as your own. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was about to say, pass your, our opinions off as your own. We certainly steal our opinions from other people. Oh, so, God, all the time. You know, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Only when they when they when they're right, of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> There's a colleague of mine who's a, a Sunderland supporter, I should just say, and he, he's, he's only um, semi-interested in football. Uh, if you can make a connection between those two statements, then uh, well done. But um, he he basically said he basically said to me because we have a chat about football and and stuff, and he sort of said whenever I kind of um, go to family get-togethers and things, he said I always find myself talking to some relation or another who starts talking about football. And he said, and I basically pass your opinions off as mine. And I thought, well, in that case, my work is done. My work is done. Uh, I can now hang up. The, the podcast for people who aren't that interested in football. <laughs> football. That's right. Oh, Joe, I think we've got a good niche there. Yeah. As you say, as you say, say, there's lots of people who don't know about football. We've just, we, 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 we just got to get out there, haven't we? Yeah, we have. We just don't get out there enough. It's because our listeners... Prefer to keep it a secret. Yeah. And they say, ah, well, I listen to Sound of Football because that gives me the inside track. Yeah, I won't yeah. tell anyone else about it because then everyone will be listening to it. Yeah. Yeah, we know, yeah. We know yeah. what yeah. you're doing. Because they think, oh, God, without, without the Sound of Football, all I'd have is, oh, yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, they want to pass the ball in the back of the net, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> He's got to go, and he Venga. He's got to go, and he. He's got to go, and he Venga. He's got to go. And so on. <laughs> The sound of football, your football crash course, if, if you're completely football ignorant. Uh, yes, uh, so there we are. Uh, we always, of course, encourage you to get in touch. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank we're you very much. We do appreciate it. And if you want to send a rebuttal to his rebuttal, then feel free. Anyway, that's it. Now, we've slightly overrun, but we. The rebuttal, rebuttal. Rebuttal. <laughs> Um, join us next week for episode 114 of The Sound of Football. Until then, thanks very much again for listening, and until next week, it's a fond farewell. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.